At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. On November 11th, join us for Benzinga's seventh annual FinTech Awards. It's going to be a day full of networking, deal-making, and recognition of incredible achievements that you won't want to miss. Let's get this show on the road. Let's get ready to rumble! So, Mr. Spencer, let's start mm. off. What's up? Let's start off the show today with a quick news update. That is how we will start every show um, or try to. And today it is all about cars. Cars? Cars. Cars. What kinds of cars? All is kinds it... of cars. All kinds so of cars. Let's start with the big news of the day. That is Avis. Um, the stock went up more than 200% ticker car. Um, it, it went up 200% after the company reported blowout earnings uh, yesterday afternoon. Um, the stock surpassed $500. And as I'm aware, the, the highest, what was the highest strike price on the option chain? $260 was the highest strike. So if you... Let's say, hypothetically, in theory, on paper, spent $1,000 yesterday on the $260 strikes, you could have made like 700 grand today. A lot of money. A lot of money. Um, yeah. And so the, the stock is trading off its highs down about 30, 40% from uh, that level that it hit above $500. As you can see, the chart on the on the screen. Let's go to a monthly. Let's zoom way out. And you can just see how far back. Like, if you bought this stock in March of 1998 and you paid $415 and you sat underwater for 23 and a half years well today is your day congratulations you made your money back 23 and a half years later well done yeah i mean this is just you know we've had these crazy stocks it seems like a few you know over the past few weeks from dwac now we've got cars so it doesn't look like this this market's done with just having these runners that go crazy uh, let us know in the chat if you were in car all the, at all today. I hope you did not buy above $500. Um, but no. yeah, Spencer, that is not the only headlines. Well, well hold on. I, I want to stay on this for because this is this is kind of insane. Okay. I feel like every single week I'm saying to myself, this is the craziest thing that, or at least one of the craziest things that I've ever seen. Right. Uh, last week, Shiba Inu was, was pretty crazy. The week before, we had DWAC and Funware. That was pretty crazy, right? Um, I don't know how all these things rank. Um, the, the, we are in, like, GameStop, AMC territory in terms of just, like, sheer madness, right? Um, but this is this is nuts. This is pretty, pretty nuts. I mean, Avis budget, this, this, this should put this in context for you. Avis budget became, it actually overtook AMC as the number one weighting in the Russell 2000 index today. It's not there anymore. At least I don't think. 
but if for a moment, a brief moment, it was the largest stock buying market cap in the Russell 2000. Um, and it's Avis Budget Group. I mean, it's car rentals. This thing is nuts. We 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 call this out. If you're watching live trading this morning, we know we called this out at like one. It, it was at like one ninety five, and we, oh man, it looks like it's going to two hundred, and then it just did not stop. Let's go to uh, this other uh, space I have in Benzinga Pro where I look at halts here, um, and let's we'll add a filter by security, and we'll just do a search for car ticker car right. Look at how many trading halts happened in car today. One, two, uh, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven trading halts in car, and we're not—we just got past noon. Yeah, I mean, this has just been insane. Spencer, have you ever rented a car from Avis? No, uh, I don't remember. No, I think I've only used Enterprise. Okay, I don't know, but it, 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 this is insane, and it's, it's actually not just car today. There are other stocks moving off of this. If you looked at, I mean, the obvious one, right? We all know HTZZ, right? Hertz, yeah. The, the 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 direct peer, I believe, is halted right now. Uh, no, it's not. I don't think it can halt. It, I'm not sure stocks that trade OTC can halt, but um, it's trading right now. Uh, HTZZ. Uh, you also have a uh, higher car, right? We had them on the small cap conference last week. Go blast off mode today. Got to almost ten dollars. H Y R E. Uh, you also had, um, I think that was it actually. I think I, I thought Uber and Lyft maybe would go, but but they, re- they really didn't, which I thought was interesting. Uh, Uber trading down 3% today, Lyft trading down uh, 3% today. So they really didn't go off that. I thought I thought maybe they would, but uh, the, the Avis thing, I mean, one in the chat if you're if, if, if you bought the stock today, if you made money off it, because I mean, congratulations, you made a great trade. It it it, it defies all logic um it feels like we're in a casino is that a bad thing i don't know i'm just here for it but i mean 500 we we, we watched it go from two to three to four to five just yeah cole cole pinder is bringing up a good point in the chat car rental inflation has been insane so you know a few months ago when when we were getting the cpi numbers and they looked ridiculous that we've seen uh you know a lot of inflation when you dissected the cpi data a little bit it was certain categories that were driving that inflation uh higher and car rentals was one of the leaders like new and used car prices uh, were one of them, and then car rental as well. So that should have been a sign fr- from us back then, Spencer, saying, look, if uh, you know the inflation, if people are paying this much more for car rentals, that must mean there is the demand there uh, and a limited supply. So maybe we, that was some foreshadowing to the to the Avis blowout earnings. Yeah, was, but- hey, look, the car rental companies are able to charge this much more. There's still the demand. Um, but so, no yeah. one could have seen this one coming. No, though. no one could have seen this com- this one coming. Um, heard scrambler in the chat saying lots is junk, you know, car lots, of course, another one. And yep. so, yeah, I mean, Spencer, like I said, we have some other headlines. You all know. right. What, what, what other headlines do we have today? Cause I, this is all I can think about. So give me something else to think about here. So Tesla, uh, was trading lower because Elon Musk took to Twitter and said that Tesla has not yet signed a contract with Hertz. Uh, of course, this that- is for the hundred thousand cars right correct yeah okay. then they actually upped that number after the initial report oh, they did 
Um, yeah, they said they might get up as many as 150,000 cars. Uh, so now it, it looks like there's some discrepancy in what's going on with the Hertz Tesla contract because Hertz is saying they're already getting deliveries or, and, and Elon Musk is saying there's not a contract signed yet. Um, so I don't know. We will see what happens. Uh, yeah, Hertz was also talking about supplying some Teslas to Uber. Um, but yeah, and then on, on another car headline, Rivian. So, so Rivian, which is the Amazon-backed EV startup, uh, is looking for a $60 billion valuation. Initial reports had the valuation at $80 billion, So the $60 billion number is, is lower than the $80 billion initially reported. Um, but Wall Street Journal ran a headline today, Rivian's $60 billion EV challenge to Detroit. So they're calling out Detroit saying, essentially, if Rivian is going to challenge uh, Ford, GM, Chrysler, everyone who is you know, putting resources toward producing uh, electric cars. So we will see if, if Detroit has a new challenge in Rivian. Yeah, that's going to be next week, I think, right? The the IPO? Um, I, I think it, I'm pretty sure it's next week. I'm not sure I'm, when the when the IPO I'm date is sure next week. Um, but yeah, Rivian, I think will get a lot of retail interest considering, you know, just the EV space in general, whether it's Ford, whether it's Tesla, there are a lot of investors out there that want to get and pick uh, the leader in the EV space. So Rivian definitely has a lot of hype behind it. And, and yeah, I mean, this Wall Street Journal article is just essentially saying Rivian poses a competitor, competitive threat to GM, Ford, um, Chrysler in a way that Tesla never really has. So, you know, because Rivian's producing these these trucks, which is Ford's bread and butter. Um, Tesla, of course, has the Cybertruck, which who knows the, the status of the Cybertruck? Um, I don't. Spencer doesn't. Nope. A- and it, it seems like Rivian is putting a little bit more effort into these EV trucks that will directly compete with Ford. Um, so there's the, the Rivian news, Spencer. And then moving on to other earnings news, we had Pfizer raised guidance due to increased vaccine demand. Uh, Pfizer was trading up about 3%. Uh, Chegg. Chegg, the stock got crushed today after the company reported earnings yesterday. Um, I haven't really had time to go in and dig into the earnings, so I don't know what happened there. But all I know, Chegg stock getting hammered after earnings. Um, you know, we've had Chegg's CEO or COO on the show before, so maybe we we'll have to get him back on to, to discuss the earnings. Yeah, maybe. You know what? They did. <laughs> Shoot, this, this may have been a signal. Chegg usually somebody from the PR team will usually reach out to us and be like, "Hey, you know, we love to talk with you after earnings." Uh, they didn't do that this quarter. <laughs> they didn't do that this quarter. Oh, maybe that was a signal. We uh, should have realized. Uh, they've reached out to us like three or four quarters in a row, being like, "Hey, you know, you, if you want to, we love to come on one of your shows and talk about this company after earnings and what a great quarter we have." But they did no such thing this time around. So I should have realized. Should have realized. Anyway, a very astute observation by you, mm, Mr. Israel. Mm. Speaking of guests and coming on the show, we should probably preview what is to come on today's show. We are going to have our first guest on here in a couple of minutes. Uh, Lyron Bentoven. He's the president and CEO of the Glimpse Group. Uh, talking about AR, talking about VR, talking about, talking about the metaverse. That's what we're talking about with, with Lyron here at 1215. Uh, 1245, we're Rahul Kushwa. He's the CEO of Predict Medics. We broke a headline with them this morning. At one o'clock, we're talking Tesla. 
with the one of the only Gordon Johnson from GLJ Research. Uh, and then at 130, we'll have Tim Quast on the show from Market Structure Edge. So a lot going on today. Real fast, before we bring on our first guest, I just because I can't move on from the, the Hertz thing. I just want to say real fast, there, there are a couple other plays off of this. You can always do the ETF angle. I'm going to drop a few tickers here uh, on you, and I'll put them in the chat, or maybe you can put them in the chat as I say. But these are the ETFs that have the largest exposure to, her, to, to car. You ready? Ticker PRN. It's got almost a 5% weighting, or it did as of a couple hours ago, uh, to car. PRN. Ticker X. TN, the S&P Transports ETF, has a 4% weighting. Uh, TPOR, this is a leverage play. This is your direction leverage transportation play. has almost a 4% weighting. H-A-I-L, hail, as in like hail a cab, right? That's your um, smart mobility ETF. has a 3% weighting to Hertz. Uh, I keep saying Hertz, to Avis. Um, and last one I'll do is ticker T-E-G-S, tags, has a 3% weighting to Avis. So number of ETFs that are going to trade uh, today off this, and you can sort of arbitrage them if you'd like, or or just watch, you know, watch one because they're not going to move as much as and be as crazy as, as, as Avis, but a lot of plays here off the Avis madness. Um, this is the craziest thing I've seen since at least last week. And that's saying something. Um, now it is 12 15. All that being said, let's, let's move on from, from, the, from that. And let's talk about what had been like the story of the week for the past, for at least a couple of days before, you know, we have ADD and we all moved on from that. And we forgot about it, but it, the metaverse, right? Uh, I thought you were going to, Say Afghanistan. <laughs> what? No, the metaverse, man. Uh, Facebook kind of kicked things off the other week with their their big announcement about, hey, we're changing our name. We're gonna you're, we're going all in on the metaverse. Yada yada yada. Uh, and that got us wondering about. Okay, so we know Facebook is is a play here. What other plays are there to be had on metaverse on the metaverse and on uh, virtual reality and augmented reality so let's bring on the uh ceo of one of those such plays now as i said lion Beethoven, he's the ceo of the glimpse group you know they've got a uh a, a cool ticker v-r-a-r v-r-a-r they must have something to do with v-r-n-a-r if the ticker is v-r-a-r pretty nice ticker get let's get lyron on producer rohan Good morning, sir. How are we doing today? I guess good afternoon at this point, at least in New York. Oh, good afternoon. You're right. It's past noon. I stand corrected. Good afternoon. Uh, okay, so let's start with this. Tell us about the Glimpse Group and and, and, and what exactly you're working on, because I think not a lot of people actually understand what really is going on. I, I don't even get it. Well, hopefully I do, but uh, I'm happy to kind of talk about it. So Glimpse yeah. Group is a platform company for virtual reality and augmented reality enterprise-focused software companies. So we have 11 software companies, number of companies that are fully owned and operated by Glimpse Group, working on diverse use cases of virtual reality and augmented reality, all working with enterprises and organizations. So our companies are uh, working with leading uh, consumer companies, uh, hospitals, universities, uh, pharmaceuticals, financial services, you name it to bring virtual reality and augmented reality into their businesses. And in a sense, bring them into the metaverse once the metaverse is actually built. 
Okay, so what does that actually mean, though? Like you're working with these companies to bring them in. Like, like how? So we each one of our companies has its own software solutions, whether it's for corporate okay. training or for uh, healthcare kind of uh, education or for learning or for uh, social uh, VR, for entertainment, for data visualization. Each one has their own software product. And they're working with companies that are interested in using those products to generate kind of a, a different way of doing things, generate ROI for their business and push them forward uh, in utilizing these technologies. So is it a case of like them approaching you or you approaching them? At this point, mostly they're approaching us. Kind of, uh, there's there's been a lot of interest in this even before the uh, meta announcement. And mm -hmm. uh, companies see what we're doing, see the innovation that we're kind of uh, creating with customers, and come to us and say, kind of, we want to we want to use this too. Here's what we are looking for, and then we work with them to build that. So, can you give us some examples? Sure. So, uh, if you're a, a school that wants to simulate uh, kind of certain things that you can't teach in in the classroom, say inventory counting. So, we're working with a, a university in Florida that uh, believes that kind of you cannot teach people about accounting while they're kind of sitting in a classroom. So, we built a warehouse for them, and the students go into the warehouse and uh, learn how to do inventory count, which is a skill that the accounting industry uh, requires people coming in and taking a job there. Uh, so this is an example. If you're a pharmaceutical company that have a certain process where you need to train employees and that process doesn't happen often and is very expensive, we can replicate that process for you, allowing you to train your employees in virtual reality and then uh, when they're ready, once you, they've passed all the kind of tests and you know that they know what they need to do, then they can go out there and try it in the real world, minimizing the ne negative cost that comes from people doing it without knowing what they're doing. How, how expensive is, is this sort of technology to, to create, to run, to develop? It's kind of just like any software, kind of there's an initial cost of building it and then uh, there's almost no cost of running it. Uh, so it's kind of, we are looking and we're working with innovative le leading edge companies that are kind of interested in making that initial investment. It's not, we're not talking big, big dollars and then kind of running and the only cost going forward is basically paying license for the app key of the, of the software uh, for us, but then they can run it forever versus the old way of doing training where you kind of have people spend time teaching people, holding their hands. You need to have right. idle devices, machines, kind of basically sometimes it's dangerous or expensive to, to run those things, kind of we can save all those things. Let me ask you this question. Um, what is the metaverse to you? The metaverse to me is the kind of adding a third dimension to the internet. So if you look at the internet, it basically connected us for the world for the first time. Before the internet came to be, we were not really connected. Yes, you can fly anywhere, you can talk to people on the phone, but we were not connected as a kind of global community. The internet came and over a 25, 30 year cycle, connected us all together, but in 2D. Right now, you and I are not feeling that we're sitting. I'm not sitting with you uh, in the studio. I can see you, we are connected, but it's we're not the same. The metaverse will add a third dimension to this uh, connectivity, allowing us to be present in the same location, regardless of where we are geographically. And that has huge implications on everything that we're doing. How close is what you have right now to what 
we think of when we think of the metaverse, when you th- we think of movies like Ready Player One or whatever, and you know it's totally immersive. And how close are we to that? So, in one way, we are very, very close. Kind of, if you go into any one of our VR experiences, you will feel presence, and you will feel that you're in that spot with those other people that are there with you, regardless of where they are physically, and you can do things together. In many ways, the, we're limited by the hardware capabilities, and that's what uh, Meta is investing all of their efforts into building that hardware and the uh, software that runs it that allows us to kind of fulfill this dream. And kind of companies like Meta, like Apple, like Samsung, like Sony are investing heavily in R&D to build the hardware that is needed that eventually will lead to this being everywhere. And then companies like us will build a software that will enable this and will build all these experiences that will be there once the metaverse exists. What What is the next? Is there a next upcoming catalyst on the Facebook thing? which seems, seems to have jump-started a lot of interest here, obviously. But, but outside of that, I mean, what, what is the next catalyst for a company like yours? So we are continuing to execute and kind of adding more customers and building more business. And the other thing that is key for Glimpse is that we are a platform company. So we keep growing not only organically, and we've been growing organically kind of at just under 100% a year, but inorganically as well by adding more companies to the Glimpse big and creating scale where it does not exist in this industry on the software and services side. So that's that's a critical piece for us. As you look at kind of bigger developments in the outer, outside world, uh, there have been a lot of talk about Apple launching at some point augmented mm-hmm. reality glasses, which will, again will, will add the augmented reality layer to the metaverse. Kind of the metaverse will have a VR layer and an AR layer, and there will be kind of multiple connectivity between these. And I think the AR glasses, which are long been uh, awaited for, which hopefully will have a different form factor than the kind of uh, HoloLens and the Magic Leaps that have been out there uh, for a while, but they have limited utilization, uh, would be a big uh, leap forward. Can you give us an example of like the kinds of companies that you would theoretically like partner with? Like, like, would, like, would you ever partner with? Because uh, you know, I, I guess it would depend on your role in the ecosystem and their role in the ecosystem, but like a, an, another platform company, I, I don't quite know. I don't have a great sense in my head of, of the metaverse ecosystem and who, who does what. Uh, so can you give me an idea of like the kind of company that you would in theory on paper, like partner with? So we work with kind of most of the companies in the space as partners, whether it's okay. companies like uh, Meta, like Google, like Snapchat, all, those are all partners of Glimpse. Uh, we work with the hardware manufacturers, with HTC, which with Pico. Uh, we've worked with uh, the companies providing us uh, software that enables our developers to build, like Unity and Epic. So those are the players that play in the ecosystem. They complement what we're doing. They're enabling us to do what we're doing. But uh, kind of that's exactly those type of partnerships that we're building. Awesome, awesome. Uh, I, I I'm just curious. Um, what the past couple of days, you know, and I'll just pull up a daily chart, uh, just what the past couple of days have been like uh, for you uh, the last week, really, because, I mean, obviously you've seen the interest um, explode, you know, search searches for the term metaverse and meta are 
VRAR going through the roof on Google. You can see it, the interest in the chart alone in terms of the volume and the performance. I'm just curious what the last week has been, you know, has been like because you guys are not. I mean, you're a newer company, but you're not, you know, like that new. No, we've been around for almost six years now. Yeah. And I don't look at the stock. Kind of right now, you're okay. putting it in my face. That's the first time I've looked at the stock chart ever. I really? Really? Time really? At stock charts. Kind of. I know anecdotally. Thank you for taking that away from me. I appreciate that. I know anecdotally <laughs> where we are. Obviously, I need to know as a CEO. But I'm focusing on our business of continue to grow, continue to deliver great VR and AR to our customers, and thinking about my next milestone, which is making a glimpse of building our company by growing organically and inorganically. Uh, I kind of. I'm I'm super excited that the world is finally seeing what I saw five and a half years ago and led me to found Glimpse. But we're just early in this cycle, and it's going to be a lot of a lot of fun uh, and hard work from now until kind of we have the metaverse. All right. Uh, oh, hey, do you have an ETA on that by chance? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I had to guess, kind of in terms of where we have a connected metaverse that we're all kind of spending time in, probably five yeah. years away, kind of it will happen. Five years. I, I like that. That's not like super uber bullish that's that's reasonable that's five years is a nice chunk of time I, I, kind of, you know what it takes to build something and kind of it doesn't happen overnight we're all working very hard on it whether it's the kind of the guys at facebook meta or a kind of glimpse but yeah it's going to take some while before it's open to the public great all right lyron bentoven is the president ceo of the glimpse group ticker vrar uh, a pleasure sir We'll have to have you back on as, as things progress here in, in the metaverse. I enjoyed it and looking forward to the next time. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot, sir. Hey, all right. Um, a couple of questions from the chat I want to get to. Uh, someone who was asking, is car over? I don't know where. And someone saying my mic is too loud, Rohan. Let's see if we can turn that down a little bit. Um, is car over? Who can say? Who can say with any shred of reasonable confidence that car is over do me a favor spencer go to the one minute chart oh dear lord okay yeah so oh we found like, we found support is that you're gonna say it looks like on the one minute we stopped going down exactly and that's always a good sign <laughs> i you know it, it looks you know we will break from this trend either down or up so look out for that either way um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it at least looks like we're stabilizing here at this $326, $327 level. Um, who knows how long this will last before we see a break in either direction. But yeah, we'll, we'll keep our eyes on this chart. I'm actually looking, um, you know, Spencer, we've talked about it a, a few times now, not to beat a, a dead horse, but my, uh, you know, limited amount of day trades I'm able to make. Yeah. One opened up. So I've got a spot. To make a day trade here, I'll show oh, my I'll show gosh. my screen, um, and I'm looking for something to do. I'm getting a little antsy, not being in the markets today. So if anyone in the chat has anything they're looking at that you think, yeah. hey, R Randall's looking at fun. A B, I can't trade fun. Um, you can't trade fun. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, we were, we were talking to the COO tomorrow. Wouldn't That's true. That like it it, it, it would be a bad look. Yeah. So we're gonna have the COO uh, on the show tomorrow. So. Let's you and I not even touch. I mean, we can look at fun, but we're not going to touch fun. Yeah. So if, if we see right here, I've made two day trades. I can make a third one. If I make the fourth one, I'm restricted. Um, so I've got one to make today. So let me know if anyone's looking at anything. I do want to talk a little bit more about uh, the metaverse. Mm -hmm. And I've got a stock that I think it, it's not getting talked about 
in the metaverse, uh, you know, when people are talking about everyone's talking about Facebook, uh, you've got the meta ETF. Of course, we just talked to VRAR. But this stock, I think, maybe they haven't made any announcements on the, on the metaverse front yet, but as this thing grows, what do we got? And when I say this thing, I'm talking about the metaverse. I would be absolutely shocked if this name isn't a big player in it. What's the name? That is Snapchat. Ticker S N A P. Yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. Do do you have a snap camera by chance on your uh, on my laptop? I do. Yeah, snap, snap camera. If you don't have that, check that's it out. That's like the most used augmented reality feature out there in the yeah, world. You're right. It's got to be. I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but I'm saying it like it's a fact. And Snapchat's trading way down after it reported not so great earnings let me get yeah there we go um and so yeah i mean it sounds i would be surprised if we don't see more and more uh investor interest into the metaverse that snapchat doesn't come out and say something like oh yeah by the way we're uh you know we're gonna spend this much money on r&d in yeah no that hex pony facebook does not own snapchat no, no. Uh, but M Tone says Glimpse is partnered. Uh, that 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 may be true. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, I, I I think Aaron's point though is that people think them they think Metaverse. Maybe the the first, second, or third name out of their mouth is not necessarily Snapchat. I think that was that 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 was more. Well, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's people are talking about Facebook. People are talking about Roblox. Unity, uh, Unity, yeah. C Limited, all yeah. these other names. When it's like, who's going to have the most users using this AR, using this VR? And I yeah. think it's going to be Snapchat, and it's going to, you know, be a matter of time. I'm not saying I like Snapchat right well, now. Well, you could, but if you want to buy the dip, hey, you know what? Let's let's zoom in on this chart here. Do we have a a low to lean on? Yes, we do. What's the low of today? Fifty two ten. What's the low from uh, last week? Fifty one sixty six. You've got a low. If you wanted, this is, this is how you set up a trade here. If you wanted to buy Snapchat, you could basically buy it here and stock yourself out at like $52. That's 13 cents away. Let's go to a 15-minute chart. You can stop yourself out at 15 at 52. Zoom out. You can stop yourself out at you know somewhere in the 51. Like the that low from the 27th was 51. What what did I say again? 51.66. You can stop yourself out at 5166. I mean, that's not actually a bad trade because you have an out. Your out is the low from the 27th. Well, that's what I'm curious about, Spencer. So if you go to what was Snapchat out right after the earnings when it dropped 20%? Because if you got in then and bought the dip, you're down another like 5% from there. So I like to wait until we have that uh, clear, sustained bottom. And then we see that reversal coming back up. But you know, we've got but one, two, three, four, five, five lows, five straight days, five lows in the same area. Fifty-two. You're right there. This is not a terrible trade setup, baby. You may have talked me into this. All right, let's do it then. I th- I, I think this is because we have our clear out. Obviously, we don't know if it's going to go back to sixty or seventy. I'm mean, eighty. Frankly, at this point, is is would take a miracle. To get there, uh, you know, at any point in the near future, it's a long ways away. But, but we have a level. We have we we can we can we can buy we can buy this. We can set our stop loss at at fifty one sixty, and you know that's seventy cents away. That's great. That's a great ri- that, that's a great risk reward. I think. So, Shingami saying, "Oh no, Ab, what did I do now? Please tell know. me. I don't, I don't know. know what I did either. He's, but he's always doing something. I'll own up to it. Whatever it is, I did." 
Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we talk about these big Silicon Valley tech companies, Snapchat still led by its founder, Evan Spiegel. I would be absolutely shocked if he sits around and sees, you know, his buddies, Zuckerberg, um, Bezos and all these other leaders like invest heavily into the space. And he just sits back and, and doesn't take advantage of the opportunity he has with Snapchat and the metaverse. So, um, you know, good on the chat for pointing out that, you know, Glimpse is working with them in terms of, of AR. But I'm basically saying long term, if the metaverse takes off, Snapchat will be a player. And right now it is at a discount. Spencer, if we want to make a live trade. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, what's funny, though, like is the other side of that coin. If you look at this daily, like the daily chart, <laughs> the, the period from July to October could end up being like that cloud. It just looks so bad. It does. Because <laughs> yeah, Snapchat was not a great performing stock for the longest time. And, and, and then it had this huge run up um, and then it and then it gapped up on earnings and it gapped down on earnings. Um, but you can just see for three years, it kind of did nothing. And then, you know, we've obviously run since, since last, since the last, last fall, but, um, yeah, pretty crazy stuff. Okay. I say we do this trade. Uh, you want to throw an order out there in the, in the, in, in the low 52s. So you want me to just buy stock, don't you? I was looking at options. Okay, I'm t- a- okay. But, but, well, well, I don't know how high, like, what strike do you want, do you want to go? I want to hit $55. Okay. I think that's very reasonable to say, hey, we can go up $3 from now until. So I'm looking at the monthlies that expire uh, November 19th. 17 days, $3. That's doable. I can't see how much they cost. Um, let me try to zoom in a little bit. There we go. What does that say? A dollar? A dollar thirty-one is the one I'm looking at. Fifty-five dollars. Um, and, and this isn't super high conviction for me, so I'm just gonna throw. Let's do three orders. So I, I like to do at least um, three because that way, if they're up a lot, I can trim. I can sell one, keep two, let okay. the other two run. I'll throw the bid out there. It says one thirty-one. I'll throw it out there at one thirty-two just to make sure I get filled, and I don't care about that extra three dollars I'm spending on it. There we go. We're filled. Three contracts. $396 total. Uh, we have until November, November 19th, 17 days. 17 days. Yep. Um, All right. Um, okay. I'm into this. I'm into this. I'm into this. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are some different strategies as far as a spread we could have done to mitigate our risk, but Hey, um, look, if the trade doesn't work out and I'm right. Randall wants to know if you're broke. Cause you only bought three, three calls. Three orders and my broke put some money on the line. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to get peer pressured into this. No, this is. Yeah, I am kind of. I mean, my that that dude. He's fresh out of college. Yes, he's broke. Is the answer to that question. My uh, let's see. I, mean, I think we'll be able to see like what my. I'm trying to see like what my portfolio diversity. This is this makes up like 20 percent of my portfolio right now. This one options trade. Oh so guys. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Hey, uh, real fast before uh, our next guest will be here in a few minutes, but I, I don't want to lose track of time that much because um, I want to do a crypto update if we can. Let's do it, Spencer. All right. I got it. Oh, where's my crypto heat map? He's got it on the screen. How are we looking today? BTC in the green. ETH new highs. New highs for Ethereum, everyone. We're 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 in forty five hundred territory. Very very nice. Um, AB, I was doing some 
some, um, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, personal financing over the week. I was doing a deep dive on, on my, my finances, and I have determined that I have my asset allocation in my life is way too much into stocks uh, and way not enough into crypto. Um, I've got almost all my net worth in stocks and I've got a sliver. I I, I made a pie chart and a tiny sliver on the pie chart is crypto. And I've got like 97% in stocks. So I need to diversify. I need some more crypto. I've got Bitcoin. I've got Ethereum. I've got Solano. I could just keep buying those three, but I'm open to more ideas. Please no shit coins. I'm not into that stuff. I'm no sheep, no doge. Um, someone that has real value. So Spencer, if I were your financial advisor, which you are, which I am, um, I would say let's trim some of your cannabis positions. And here's oh, why. Don't make me do that. I know you don't want to. But here's why. I, 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 I like those. And I'm I know, up in all of them. I know. And I'm sure you're going to give me the bull case. But I'm going to give you not necessarily a bear case. Okay. Just why I think these cannabis investments will not appreciate at the rate that some cryptos will over the next two, three years. And it's essentially just, look, I mean, does the administration right now look in any rush I, to... No. 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 Okay. No. <laughs> so what's going to happen over the next three years that hasn't happened the last eight years that's going to make these cannabis, uh, you know, stocks take off? I don't think there's anything. Um, so what I would do, I'm not saying sell all your cannabis positions, but I'm saying okay. I would trim some and take those trimmings, uh, the money you get from trimming those positions, okay. and just throw it into Ethereum and forget about it. Maybe you want to DCA it into Ethereum. Maybe you want to put a recurring buy order out for say $100 of Ethereum each month. That way, yeah. if Ethereum starts moving down, you're getting it at a lower price point. And you know, I think here in three, four, five years, you'll say, hey, I didn't want to at the time, but my financial advisor was spot on. <laughs> <laughs> this may be. Uh, or, I will, or I will just say, please, sir, do you have any spare change? Maybe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't it. know. But I, you know... I don't know. I, I'm not sure about anything, but Ethereum, it's not going anywhere. People are going to keep buying yeah. Ethereum. People yeah. are going to keep using it. It's going to keep being updated. Yeah. I like Ethereum's bull case right now more than Bitcoin. I like that it's cheaper. Um, so, yeah, that, that's I, I think that's what everyone likes is, is it's cheaper. It's more affordable, right? I'm seeing some good ones in the chat. Maybe I just go diversify this way and just go, hey, buying a little bit of every single one of the largest cryptos on the heat map right there. Um, you know, buy some Uniswap, buy some Binance coin, buy some uh, Cardano. I, I, I don't know, maybe one of my know. one of my friends reached out to me and she was like, "Hey, what do you think about Wafer Coin?" And I was like, <laughs> "And you were like, yes." I was like, "I don't know what that is." It's, so deli looked, it's delicious. I looked up to, I looked into it, and it's like a very small altcoin that has been like on the the chart on Coin Market Cap and stuff goes back to like four days ago, like literally like October twenty seventh, <laughs> and and this. My friend that reached out to me, she's not like into investing or oh, into crypto no. at all. So she must have heard about it from friends. And I'm like, all right, this has got to be the top of the altcoin mania. And of course, since she reached out to me, I talked to Logan Ross and Ryan McNamara, our resident crypto experts. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, you know, looks not like a scam, but I don't know. They, they weren't too in, in ecstatic about it. And I told her this. 
and I, you know, whatever. And of course, it's up like 150% since she told me. Okay, that's a funny story. Let's remember this. What was the catalyst for the very first Bitcoin bubble rocket ship to the moon? It was Thanksgiving 2017. Okay. We saw this happen basically every November 2017, 2018, 2019. Bitcoin just goes up into an around during and after Thanksgiving weekend. I don't know why it just does. So that's in three weeks, AB. Three and a half. Um, let's remember that. Are you saying uh, history, well, I, history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes? I'm saying if we all buy Bitcoin right now and sell it on Black Friday, we'll make money. No, I don't know. I'm, I'm but I'm just remember, reminding you all that this is a thing that happens. And what I what percent? of what percentage of thanksgiving family dinners do you think cryptocurrency bitcoin will become a topic of discussion 50 you think half yes this and, is this is a great question from the chat Let, let's do a youtube uh youtube poll right now what or, or you can just put your number in the chat what percent that's a great one what percentage of things of of thanksgiving gatherings this year in the u.s are going to talk about bitcoin crypto nfts in some way shape or form Actually, my fifty percent now seems low. I I, I agree, and and what I'm curious, he says a hundred. <laughs> what, what what out of those where it becomes a topic, like what percent of the time in that discussion is just spent from like someone our age trying to explain to their grandma like I don't know what cryptocurrency is. I'm sure that's gonna be a frustrating conversation. Bill says ten percent. I've seen 64, 65, 75, 80. Yeah, I think the mean from the answers we're getting is about sixty-five percent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, boomers love Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, Bitcoin's for boomers. That's exactly my, my my uncle's like like uh, probably getting close to sixty, and he's like texting me about Bitcoin today. He's like, "This is around where we were at where it sold off last time. Like, do you think it's going to do that again? Should I sell?" And I'm like, "Dude, like, I have no clue. No one knows." All right. There's always that one cousin. 90% master of stocks. Nice. I like it. I like it. Hey, as a reminder, everyone, you can get some free Bitcoin. All you have to do is download the Voyager app, enter the promo code Zing, Z-I-N-G, make your first fund your account with 100 bucks, make your first trade, and they will give you $50 in Bitcoin. There you go. Voyager. Check it out. All right. It is 1240 five thereabouts let's 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 keep the train running on time here let's bring on our next guest dr rahul kushwa is the coo of predict medics we broke a headline with them this morning let's get dr kushwa on the show producer there he is hey guys dr. How's it going? how are we doing today good good can't complain can't complain great uh first let's talk about the headline we broke I believe I forget the time now. It was definitely pre-market this morning, uh, and I will I will read the headline and I will ask you to explain to me what I'm about to what I'm reading. Um, you reported on your safe entry station that it received uh, the uh, mark of approval and uh, ISO certification for commercialization in the EU. Explain mm-hmm. that in English, please. For sure. So safe entry stations, first of all, are these gateway units powered by artificial intelligence. You walk through them, they can identify if you're showing signs of COVID-19 or other infectious disease. They can identify if you're showing signs of cannabis or alcohol impairment. And they will also be eventually able to identify if you're showing signs of mental illnesses. So these are screening technologies 
which you can use to screen a whole bunch of people in a very short span of time. And this morning, what we announced was that we have received the CE compliance and ISO 13485 certification. And these are the primary certifications that you need to break into the EU and perhaps the Middle Eastern market as well. So what it means is that we basically comply with all the regulations that comes to manufacturing and quality control uh, that is needed to really commercialize our technology and scale it all over the EU and the Middle East. So what's the next step here in the regulatory process? Well, the next step is, of course, you're moving ahead with commercialization in those jurisdictions. And the other point that I would like to uh, really nail upon is, if you look at safe entry stations, we have had some uh, tremendous success here in North America as well, whether it's uh, Super Bowl parties, film festivals, music festivals. And uh, the latest one was Formula One Grand Prix, Prix, where we had uh, 15 units installed uh, all over Circuit of Americas. And... uh, we had some uh, fantastic validation as far as the utility of our technology goes. And now with the CE and ISO, we are ready to break into the EU market. All right, so maybe we should back up for a second here and just ask you, you explained it briefly, but we're talking medical devices for screening. Explain exactly what, what this is, how it works, and then we'll go from there. Yep, so when you look at a safe entry station, it's really a configuration of multispectral cameras and sensors which connect to our proprietary AI algorithms. So the way how it functions is kind of like a metal detector that you come and stand in front of a unit and within two to three seconds, a decision is made to, which basically it shows that it, you, you, may, you may be showing signs and symptoms of infectious disease or you may be showing signs of impairment. So uh, if you're talking about a facility where you have a large number of people, it could be an industrial setting, an event, warehouse, This technology can be brought in and it's all about making sure that you can create these safe workplaces or safe environments where you are uh, quite effectively reducing the risk of uh, any infectious disease to uh, really, I mean, take over the facility. And at the same time, the other problem is impairment if you're addressing your technology as well. Uh, And that's in terms of identifying if individual is showing signs of cannabis or alcohol impairment. So can you talk about... Your, your footprint again a little bit because you, you, you know we're talking about the European we're overseas right now right so so uh, where are you targeting commercialization and 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 where and where, where, where's your footprint? Uh, so I mean, Predict Medics, our head office is based out of Toronto. Um, I mean, we have signed contracts uh, all over North America. Uh, we have been working with some uh, some really major players in Asia, and uh, I mean, in parallel, what we were realizing was that we were getting actually a lot of queries from Middle East and EU coming to us. And one thing we realized is that if we wanna break into this market, we gotta have those certifications in place. Now, the other complexity was that what we are offering is quite disruptive. I mean, you look at a gateway and by default, you're thinking, oh, it's gonna screen to see if I have any metal on me. No, this is screening for diseases and impairment. So how how exactly does that work though? So using multispectral cameras, what we are doing is we are looking at blood flow across several regions on your face under different wavelengths, and we have been able to convert that into actual symptoms. That could be signs and symptoms of impairment or signs and symptoms of infectious disease. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it sounds good. Uh, a couple questions from our chat that I'm also wondering is about the size of the equipment. So uh, again, 
so a standard unit is basically designed to fit a doorway. So it's 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 like a okay. doorway that just goes next to an entrance. Oh, okay. So it's so it's it's what I'm thinking of when I think of like at the airport, right? Like airport. Yep, that's right. Got, got it. Okay. Um this is an interesting one from Randall. I mean, as far as getting consent to scan people, but I would imagine this isn't, you're not sneakily doing it, right? Like people nope. know when they're, I when mean, they're being, this, is, this isn't like a surprise. Like we just scanned your, scanned your brain. Like it's not like that. No, first and foremost, there is full disclosure. And at the same time, there are no personal parameters which are captured or stored anywhere. In other words, we're basically not even identifying an individual's face. And one of the points that I would really like to nail upon is we're not doing any kind of face recognition. So there is no facial recognition technology that is involved here. It's basically about reading certain parameters across different wavelengths, converting them into symptoms, and in real time, identifying if the individual says exhibiting signs of impairment or infectious disease. So how far are we now from what is the commercialization roadmap? How far are we from that? So uh, we have had some great success with uh, tier one companies like Indian Oil, uh, which is, again, one of the largest oil and gas companies in the world. It's a Fortune 100 company. And uh, right now, I mean, after the successful completion of the pilot, they are evaluating uh, basically uh, a, a rollout that is going to encompass every side of theirs. And at the same time, I mean, as I said, with the success that we had at Formula One, um, there is definitely a lot which is brewing there. And then there is the whole EU and the Middle East market, which we can now go aggressively after since we have received the right certification. And the, the other point that I'll add there is, I mean, as much as we are talking about these screening technologies to identify infectious disease, impairment or mental illness, eventually in the long run, we are seeing this as also a triage solution in a hospital. I mean, right now you go in, uh, you sit down with the nurse practitioner. Your vitals are measured, which then go to a physician or someone else. And it's, it's, it's a very long, winded process. What we're talking about is in a healthcare setting, you bring these safe entry stations in, as people are coming into the hospitals, in a few seconds, the vitals are measured, monitored. And on the other end, you have AI, which is basically churning out some insights that can be used by the physician as well. So overall, we are talking about uh, turning the healthcare system, which right now is very people intensive, into something which is really uh, being run by some very cutting edge technology, and it leads to huge cost savings as well. What exactly was the nature of of, of the Formula One? So you you had your your devices at at the track, and they were being used by by the different teams. Is that it? No. So we actually had it uh, at the hospitality suite where they had the VIPs okay. coming in, and at the same time we had the employees that were being screened regularly by safe entry stations, in particular the catering staff. Okay. And and again, just screening them for COVID symptoms, I would presume, right? Yeah, exactly. What What is the largest, uh, or maybe not largest is the right word, but what is the opportunity, the, the use case here? Are we talking like you, you expect most, most of your customers, potential customers will be using this for uh, something like screening for COVID symptoms, or is this more of a, uh, you know, alcohol drug situation or I, does it not matter? Does it not make a difference? So when you look at a safe entry station, I mean, that is just the hardware side of it, right? So once you get a safe entry station in, you can be using it to monitor symptoms of infectious disease, or you can be using it for impairment. So uh, with a lot of our clients, they do have the option of, of switching from one to the other as well. 
So uh, it's not like yeah. that you get a safe entry station and, and it's only going to do one thing. That can be switched around anytime. So let's get to the million dollar question here, uh, which is intellectual property. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of that do you have? What kind of patents do you have? And, and can, other, can other companies do the same thing? So, so far we have filed six U.S. patents and there are some other patents that we are working on. But the approach that we have taken in terms of identifying these, uh, these symptoms or these physiological parameters is in fact very unique. So uh, just to give you an example, when we're talking about um, patents in the realm of AI and impairment, uh, based on the prior art search, it seems like ours is actually the first one in that space that covers impairment and how we're using multispectral imaging to capture certain parameters, convert them into symptoms, and then identifying impairment. How long has this been in the works for you? This has been going on, I would say, for the past three years. And in my past life, I actually used to be a professor at the University of Ottawa. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Uh, good timing on that front, then. <laughs> if it's been in the works for three years, you, 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 you beat the pandemic by a year and a half. So so very nice job. Uh, Dr. Rahul Kushwa, COO of Predict Medic, sicker, P-M-E-D-F. It was on the screen before. Uh, sir, a pleasure. Thanks for chatting. We'll have to have you back on again down the line. Thank you. It was a pleasure. All right. Uh, it is 12.55 here. Our next guest will be joining us in about five minutes. It is the one and only Gordon Johnson, uh, who is, to his credit, uh, incredibly consistent on his on his beliefs. He is not wishy-washy. He is not changing his mind. He does not follow the chart. He does not give in. You see all the time people on on certain cable news networks will just you know, they're bearish when the stock is down, they're bullish when the stock is up. That is not Gordon Johnson. He does deep, deep, deep fundamental dives and lets those numbers inform his opinion, does not let the performance of the stock inform his opinion. So we'll talk about Tesla with Gordon Johnson. I also want to talk about steel because steel is hot right now. And Gordon is also, um, that's also in his coverage universe. So uh, we'll get to that in five minutes or so. Uh, we'll have Tim Quast on the show at 1.30 talking market structure. I cannot wait to get Tim's thoughts on Ava's budget today. I'm sure he has thoughts. I, 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 I'm, I'm sure. I have a feeling it'll be rising demand and, and a limited supply. Um, but Spencer, I've got a, a, not a grievance to, to bring up to you, but a couple days ago on the stream... Uh, we were talking about earnings for this week. Hey, do we have a director here? Can we get Aaron on the on the screen? What's going on? There we go. Okay. So uh, a couple, I think it was last week. We'll have to get, uh, I'll have to find the tape and bring it to you. But we were talking about earnings. And I said that I, I liked kind of a straddle play on Pfizer because I thought, you know, whether it's good guidance or bad guidance, I, I was pretty sure it was going to move a lot one way or the other. 
And I think I said 5%. And you said, I don't know, Aaron, that's a big move for Pfizer. Well, lo and behold, Pfizer is up about 5% today after uh, the company raised guidance. Um, so, yeah, I called that one. <laughs> All right. Good one, man. Good one. Okay. okay. You got one right. Congrats. Do, do I get brownie points for calling out Ava's budget at 195? You when do. It, that was, that's impressive. I like no, that. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, um, quick check-in on our live trade that we made earlier. It's the, co- the three contracts are up about $15, 3.79%. So we are in the green if I sold right now, which I'm not going to. Very cool, man. Very cool. Yeah. Um, okay. Something else I want to put out to the crowd right now, and and we're going to take notes, but uh, we're doing this show, this midday show, 12 to 2 um, every day, and Aaron and I don't want it to be where we are. We're over there. We don't want it to be like all the other shows that we do. He wants to be a little bit different. We want it to be more fun. Or that's the idea. We want it to be more fun. We're going to bring some interactivity, some games, we just don't know quite what yet. So if you have an idea for like, I'm thinking, you know, we do like debate segments. I'm thinking we do like trivia. If you have an idea for how we can make this show more fun, maybe a little bit less serious. I mean, we'll still have the guests on and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, do, we'll be serious with them. But if we can just do more silly stuff, I think that's what we're, we're in need of. I think um, drop your ideas in the chat. If you have them, I'm going to crowd tour us here or email us at shows at Benzinga.com. Uh, we are open to it. Lisa right. Lee wants more debates. I, that could be a segment where what if we book two guests that we know are on other sides of the thing and we just throw them on the screen and take ourselves out? We like parent trap them. Uh, yeah, that, that, <laughs> that's a good one, man. Cameron Dole. We have the air horn. The air horn is not connected. I will get producer Rohan on that ASAP. We have the air horn. We have the soundboard. It's just not. It, it's not on the desk right now. I I don't know what to tell you, man. Um, so okay, we're getting some feedback on wanting more debates. That's good feedback. We can do that. We can do more debates. Um, open to it. Chat challenge. Open to that as well. I hope somebody's writing these down. Yeah, get Ben Shapiro on here. I'll I'll, I'll debate. I don't know. We're not going to get political. <laughs> but all no. right, Spencer, we we do have our next guest here, oh. um, Mr. Gordon Johnson. I'm excited for this one. So excited. Of course, a, a longtime Tesla bear. So we'll we'll get his thoughts on Tesla. Gordon made headlines yesterday for telling us at Benzinga that he foresees another Tesla stock split at some point this year. Uh, Gene Munster, who's kind of on the other side uh, of the Tesla argument. They, they agree. On the on the stock split. Yeah, they agree on the stock split. It's pretty... Uh, hell must be freezing over. I, For, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm sure they have different thoughts about the stock split and True. why it could be a bearish sign or why it could be a bullish sign. True. Um, but without further ado... We, we we talk so much bullish Tesla on the show. Let's get let's get the bear on and please help us bring us back to reality, Mr. Gordon Johnson from GL. <laughs> Mr. Johnson, how are we doing today? Hey guys, how's it going? Doing fantastic. Please help us if you can make sense of this. Or maybe I don't even know. Can you? 
I don't, I don't think anybody can make sense of where the stock's trading here. I mean, think about this, right? Let's take a step back, right? So okay. if, you're, if you're a bull on Tesla and you're buying the stock today, right? Think about this, right? The automotive, global auto sales this year are probably going to be around, call it, um, I don't know, 80 million units. Um, so let's assume in the most wildest of bullish scenarios, the Tesla in 10 years is half, they're half of global auto sales. By the way, the largest car maker today, Toyota, is, is, is around 10% and has been for some time of global auto unit sales. So that seems to be the peak, right? But when the, um, you know, the, the first Ford hit the market, um, when, when, when the auto industry just, you know, uh, emerged, you know, it was 50% of auto sales. Keep in mind, there weren't a lot of auto companies back then, but I think that's right. the assumption that some bulls are going with. So you assume Tesla makes on an operating margin basis, $3,500 per car, you know, 10 years out and they're half of auto sales. You put an eight times multiple on those earnings and the stock is, you know, the stock is at that level right now. Um, automotive makers traded eight times earnings. And when people say Tesla's not an auto company, um, I think that's just baloney. Because if you look at their other two divisions, services and other has lost money on a gross margin basis for several years in a row. And their solar division, uh, their margins were basically break even in the most recent quarter. Last quarter, they were modestly positive. And two quarters before that, they've been negative. So they've, they've made... Both of those divisions hemorrhage money. They don't make money there. So if, if you want to take the most wildest of bullish assumptions, Tesla stock price today assumes that, which we think is, is not going to be the case. So let's talk reality, right? Tesla sells 241,000 cars in the third quarter. You know, Toyota sold 2.7 million cars in the second quarter. Yet Tesla's valued at, what, 10 times Toyota? So the question is, what's the expectation on incremental sales growth in, in, in the fourth quarter, and the, and, the, and the answer is Tesla grew their units 41,000 units in Q3, and the expectation is they're only going to grow them roughly 13,000 units in Q4. So they're selling 241,000 cars. They need to get to millions of cars sold per quarter to anywhere near justify even a third of the valuation. And yet, the, the you know, we with the, the street is modeling, or the, the people who understand how to model this company are modeling their unit sales to drop from 41,000 incrementally to 13,000. So you're going to need a lot of quarters to get to a million cars sold. So the valuation is just ridiculous. But I, I, I think that, you know, what Gene Munster and, and, and the Morgan Stanley's and the Goldman Sachs who love this stock, um, even at these levels, basically assume is that, you know, Tesla and all the other EV makers in the world have an infinite and, you know, significantly growing total addressable market or TAM. Whereas the OEMs who have been doing this for 100 plus years, they can't apply that same logic. So somehow every single EV maker in the world is just going to grow massively. Whereas all the other auto OEMs who know how to make cars, have been making cars for a hundred years are going to somehow disappear. And that's just, I, I think that's just focus, focus. It's just magical thinking. It isn't real. Very appropriate reference for the time of year. I, I, but I think what's also weird is, is look, it's not unusual for a stock to trade away from its fundamentals for a period of time. We're seeing it today with Avis budget. A lot of stocks don't trade off the fundamentals and they become a story and they get hot. And without exception, or with one exception, they almost always come back down to earth in some way, shape, or form. AMC came back down to earth in some way, shape, or form. GameStop came back down to earth. Tesla never really does that. It never really comes back down to earth. 
at what point do you just throw up your hands and say, "All right, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm done." I mean, this is, I don't know, I don't, I don't know, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense, but it doesn't make sense. That's the way it is. I mean, at what point do you just kind of throw your hands up here? Because it, I agree with you, but it's so hard to argue with against against the Bulls. What What do you mean? Hard to argue against what? I mean. If you're just it's gonna say it's hard to argue going up, I mean, you could look at a number of, you know, um, uh, of the coins and say, you know, the price is going up, so we'll just keep buying. Listen, I'm a fundamental analyst, which is why the comments that are being made by other analysts, um, uh, I think, are downright. I, I don't know how else to say this, misleading and shocking. I mean, you don't say a thing's going up, so I'm going to throw up my hands and say, uh, well, fundamentals are out the door, nothing matters. Listen, let's talk facts here, right? Again, China, where there's real automotive competition, Tesla's market share has went from 23% to 12%, most right. recent quarter. Europe, where there's real competition, Tesla's market share has went from 33% to 12%, most recent quarter. The U.S. hasn't really even seen competition. Tesla's market share has went from 86% in the first half of last year to 66% in the first half of this year. We're going to see real competition in the U.S. next quarter. Look, Tesla needs to show tremendous growth next year. They have no new models coming. There's tons of competition coming in. And for everybody that says, hey, you've been saying that for a while, yeah, the numbers are proving out. We said their market share is going to drop. Everybody said their market share wasn't going to drop. Their market share did drop. You know, they need to grow units massively. Their unit growth last quarter, 41,000 units. If Tesla, if, if Ford or Toyota or VW's units grew 41,000 units in a single quarter, no one would even notice because it would be a blip on the millions of cars they sell per quarter. So for Tesla's unit sales to grow 41 and then drop to 13 incrementally a quarter, that's a big problem. Um, so I think that you need to consider that. And I think that next year, as that unit sell growth disappoints, next year, as their gross margins actually start to fall, I think it becomes a problem. And let's not, let's not forget about the 800-pound gorilla in the room, right? Tesla said they had funding secured. That was not true. Some yeah, would call that securities right. fraud. The SEC took up the case. Elon Musk last week tweeted out that, hey, the cars that we have with Hertz, um, they're being sold at retail, not a discount. And then today he says they have no contract. One could argue whether that's also a violation. But if he's willing to do that out right out in the public, you know, we have a lot of questions around their accounting that we haven't been able to ask. You know, how are their warranty costs uh, per car going down? How, when they ramp a, a facility in Shanghai, do their operating expenses actually drop? Why is their receivable balance constantly going up? You know, you look at this company, for instance, from a cash flow perspective, excluding the increase in payables and accrued, accrued expenses over the past year, their free cash flow would not actually be negative. So their core business still does not make money. All of their money made is from customers extending them terms on payments. So again, look, I know the stock is in a bubble. So what you're saying is when something's in a bubble, just keep buying on the way way up. That's how you no. lose every single dollar you I, have. I, I, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. A.B., go ahead. So, so Gordon, I mean, so we have this, you know, Tesla Q community, people that are short Tesla, don't like it. One of, um, at least on Twitter, kind of the big names in this, it has a Twitter account called Tesla Charts. Um, and I've been following them for a while, and they, and they seem to post good DD and good research. And, and a while ago, I think it was like pre-split, whoever's behind the Tesla charts account essentially said, all right, look, if you can't beat them, join them. I'm done shorting Tesla. I'm going to buy a few shares or whatever it is. Have you hit that point yet? Or are you still with your own money 
uh, shorting. That's Tesla. what I was trying to get at. <laughs> he asked it better yeah, than yeah. I did. So number one, there really isn't a Tesla two community, right? I mean, you look at the short interest in Tesla stock at the peak, it was around 25%. Today it's at 3%. There really isn't anybody short Tesla, which is my point as to at, at, at a $1,200 stock price, what's being priced in is that they're half of global auto sales at a $3,500 per car or $4,000 per car margin. That's priced in at these levels. So when you're buying Tesla today, I mean, you're, you're literally buying it with that assumption being made. With respect to throwing in the towel, I mean, again, short interest has went from 25% of the float to 3%. There's really nobody short Tesla anymore. So there is no boogeyman out there of these short sellers coming to kill Tesla. But you know, when you're, when you're the Tesla community, you like to create this boogeyman. With respect to your question, I can't invest in stocks I cover, either long or short. Um, so I, I can't directly being invested in the stock I cover. That's the policy of my firm. So no, I, I'm not directly invested in Tesla, but I think Tesla is going to be one of the biggest blowups of all time. So I'd highly caution your viewers and listeners to be very careful about just buying bubbles on the way up because bubbles do pop. Tesla's 1.3% of global auto sales. They're valued at more than 50% of every automotive company in the world, right? So they need to be growing sales by millions per quarter to even justify half of where they're trading at. And their unit sales growth per quarter is actually slowing, not improving. So I think that, you know, we need questions and answers around that. Again, I think the accounting is very important. Look, regulators are asleep at the wheel. There's no doubt about that. So, you know, people can use aggressive accounting and, and, and it doesn't seem like anybody's going to come question that. But as to the fund managers invested in this stock, I would ask them, the ESG investors, if, if the Tesla CEO is willing to say funding secured when they didn't have funding secured, if he's willing to put out a tweet saying. Yeah, that, was, that, you know, that was messed up. That was messed up. Right. But yeah, and I, I, is, I, if they're yeah, willing yeah. to do that, how do, you, how do you trust the numbers that nobody questions them on? They're accounting. Um, I think that's a key question that, you know, some of these guys are going to have to look inward and answer. Gordon, I had to say, that I I think you're the boogeyman for the Tesla community. I, I um, but because you're definitely the, the one of the most vocal critics. What is your perception of how other uh, automakers um, assess the accounting at Tesla? I'm sure you have these conversations with with other people in the industry. I've had I've had this conversation with a number of auto analysts and yeah. uh, automobile analysts. The problem is when you talk about like a Gene Munster. Not, not to call him out. We, we do debates a lot. I like, I like Gene Musser. I think he's dead wrong on Tesla. Uh, I think he's ignoring things that are in plain sight. Um, but when you talk about some of these, a lot of the analysts covering Tesla are technology analysts. So they don't know much about the automobile industry. When you talk to auto analysts, I mean, they will tell you point blank, Tesla is a way to get, a, Tesla is allowed via US regulators to get away with things that other car companies simply aren't. From an accounting, from a regulatory, from a securities perspective. Wait, wait why, um, why is that? Is that, is there like an actual reason for that or besides just. Wait, nobody knows. Nobody knows okay, why, okay. you know, these guys are able, are able to do this hurts thing and, and nothing happens. Nobody knows why, you know, they're able to pre-pick who's allowed to ask questions on their conference call. Thus they never get asked about your receivable balance. How are your operating expenses going down when you have a new plan? How much of your cash is actually in China? You can't bring over to the U S how do you have billions of dollars in cash, yet your interest income is actually not going up to justify the billions of dollars of cash you have on your, uh, on, on your accounting statements? How is your warranty expense going down with more cars sold and all the problems with your cars? And on and on and on. Why isn't NHTSA doing anything about you know, Tesla testing 
you know, technology on roads where, you know, it's potentially putting people's lives at risk. What about the NHTSA report where they said that Tesla's uh, autonomous driving was safe, but then we later found out of the 5,000 miles that were supposed to be tested, I think only like 400 of them were verifiable. That, that complete test was uh, basically shown to be extremely biased. That's a lack of an understatement in favor of Tesla. These questions just aren't asked, so we just don't get answers. But I think that as, you know, as, as numbers start to roll out next year and they lose share in the U.S., and, and keep in mind, in Q3, right, how many cars did they sell to Hertz? Financially delivered. That's what they call it, financially different. How many cars did you financially deliver to Hertz to boost those U.S. numbers? Because all the data we see in the U.S. does not support the big increase in Model 3 sales that our data suggests that is in Tesla's numbers. You know, what happens in China next year when there's no new cars, right? Keep in mind, in China, in the third quarter, they, they introduced the Model Y SR Plus. That was 20% lower in cost than any other Model Y. So there was a backlog of those cars that they sold in China. What happens in the fourth quarter and all next year when there's no new cars? What happens in Europe next year? There's no new cars, all this competition. You know, I think that there's um, there's some you know big red flags in, 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 in the horizon. And keep in mind, going back to the Hertz news, you had Tesla insiders sell like $600 million worth of shares after that news was announced. You know, is the SEC going to look into that? I, I don't know the answer to these questions, but I think there's a lot more red flags than people would like to admit. And to continue to justify a valuation that suggests Tesla is going to be 50% of global auto sales at a $3.5 to $4,000 operating margin per car, I think is just ludicrous, for lack of a better word. Well, there's a, there's a million reasons to sell sell shares. I think if they had known it, they wouldn't have sold it if they had known it was going to go up like that. Um, Gordon, well, I know they sold remember. after. They sold after the news was announced. So after the Hertz news right. came well, out, you well, if, if they hadn't sold at all, they, they would have made more money, is my point. Um, I, I'd be remiss not to ask you, Gordon, about uh, steel, which is your other area of coverage here. Uh, been in focus uh, the past couple uh, weeks. Yesterday, we get that. I think it was yesterday. We get the headline out of uh, uh, of U the UK and, and, and the US uh, pausing the steel tariffs and aluminum tariffs. Uh, give us your sense on, on, on the state of the steel market right now because it's been in focus. Right. So we've been saying that in between earnings, things could be volatile, but, volatile, but around earnings, things are going to be good. And let us put this U.S. news into focus, right? The U.S. EU news. The U.S. effectively said we're going to allow, you know, 3.3 million tons of steel into the U.S. Uh, from Europe, and then the rest of us, you know, then we're going to, you know, re-implement tariffs, 25% on steel, I think, 10% on aluminum. 3.3 million tons of a 100 million ton market annually is inconsequential. It's insignificant in our view. So I know the stocks are trading yeah. off on this. We got some questions. It's only 3% of U.S. demand. We don't think that's going to be a big deal. If you also consider that SDI has continuously delayed uh, uh, their new EAF plant, uh, and there's been other delays due to, as you would expect, supply chain issues, labor, et cetera. And then you consider in our most recent checks done in the steel space, we're hearing actually that underlying demand next year is actually shaping up to be better than expected. There was a fence conference in New Jersey last week, and everyone there is saying that they've never seen demand this good. So the assumption and still is that demand's gonna go back down to pre-COVID levels. But what everybody is seeing is not only are they seeing strong demand, but they're seeing a willingness to pay higher prices um, due to inflation expectations. So I think that still actually could surprise to the upside. US still demand could surprise to the upside next year. And what we uh -huh. have to keep in mind is against that backdrop, however, you have weakness in China. And if China starts to really 
shoot those exports into the market. That'll be a headwind against the tailwind we just described. But I think overall, given the way the pricing contracts lag for the steel mills, I think that the earnings are going to be very strong. And I think when you get a tech sell-off, if you get a tech sell-off, which I think you will get at some point over the next three to six months, I think that money is going to rotate in to inflation slash cyclical plays. And I think the still stocks are positioned quite well there. See, he's not just bearish everything. He can be bullish too. You just got to get him off Tesla. And then look, Gordon Johnson, I I, I love it because he lets the fundamentals do the talking. He's the founder of GLJ Research, joining us uh, today on Minzing Good Live. And Gordon, uh, I, we appreciate the time always. Uh, and and we always get people uh, fired up whenever, whenever uh, we have you on. So thanks for coming on today. Appreciate your thoughts and your candor. Uh, and 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 we'll be in touch. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Take right. care. And someone in the chat was making a comment on like uh, on, on all the press that Gordon gets. Just I just looked this up just now. Gordon has not been on our channel since March. Okay, since March, it's been eight months. Where are we over there? And that been, was after Kathy Wood, who yeah, of course it, is a huge Tesla bull. So it, it's nice to get both sides. Yes. And we're here just reporting on it, so we're not. Well, actually. I am a, a Tesla shareholder, but wait, do you own the stock? Yeah, I I'm long, but I don't own the stock. I I, I just it's in a few, oh any ETFs. It's in a few ETFs but, that I've got. But so I actually I got in tr not in trouble, but a lot of the chat got mad at me on this show a couple months ago for raising questions about like how many times Elon Musk has essentially uh -huh. overpromised and underdelivered. Uh, and a lot. I think I'm allowed as a shareholder to to say, hey, yeah, that bothers me. That bothers me that if you're going to say one thing and then that doesn't come to fruition and there's no consequences whatsoever. And in fact, I think it's the opposite. I think he's said these things time and time again with no repercussions to the point where it doesn't matter now that he can say something and it's like, oh, yeah, that might come true. It might not. But it's like it's happened so many times that it's just not a big deal. Whereas if a CEO of another big company said, Oh yeah, we're going to do this by X date. Yep. And then that doesn't happen. That'd be a very bad sign for the company, but not Tesla. So I am a shareholder. I am long, but that bothers me. And I think as a shareholder, I have the, you know, yeah. And that's totally fair. And look, if all you want is for us to bring on people that agree with you and agree with your point of view, I don't know why I'm not on camera right now. Uh, if, if, if that's all you want, then the, Hey, we can do that. It won't be as good of a show, but we can do that. Or, or maybe go watch someone else, right? Right. And go watch a show like Matt Coors where they just, they all just reinforce, you know, everyone's bullish ideas and, and that's all fine. Right. And, and everyone can just live in the same echo chamber or yes, we all agree. Everything is fine. Everything is fine. We're, you know, but that's not what I really care about. I don't really care. I'd actually rather hear from people who don't agree with me. I would rather hear from people who directly disagree with what I believe because it makes me think and it keeps me honest, right? I, I already know what I think. I don't need people to tell me what, to reinforce what I, what I already think. Right. Well, that's the thing, Spencer is, I mean, t Tesla, the stock and Elon Musk in general are so polarizing right. that you're going to have your, you know, confirmation bias. So if you're long Tesla, there's a million reasons why you're long Tesla, yeah. why you should buy the stock right now, even at this crazy price. If you're short Tesla, there's a million reasons to sell a million reasons why the stock's going to go down. Yeah. And I try to just stay in the middle. I listen to both sides and I say, yeah, I, I do think maybe the valuation is quite ridiculous. I do see the long term potential for this company and why people love it and why people love Elon Musk. And I also see why some people hate him. So yeah, I, I try to stay 
very even keel with this because I think if you're on one side or the other and you're just seeking out information that confirms uh, what you already believe, you're not going to be in a position where you're open-minded, able for, to, for sure. to make for informed sure. decisions. Sure. So I, I think we should continue bringing on, um, I guess, contrarian viewpoints. And if you don't like it, uh, well, yeah. let, let us know. But, but And also, I think the biggest takeaway here is Gordon Johnson, you know, lives and dies with the fundamentals. It is fair to say that that is but one tool in the toolbox. Um, if you live and die with any one thing, be it fund- fundamentals, be it the technicals, whatever, then you're lo- then this can happen to you, right? Because there is way more than the fundamentals at play here. He acknowledges this. We all we all acknowledge that on Tesla. Um, I tried to get him to kind of say like, "Have you reached your uncle point yet?" Because yeah, that's mean, what I, I basically I, asked him you, that. you asked it better than I did. I mean, but he's if not, it he, were me, I would have reached my uncle point hundreds of dollars ago. So <laughs> I know, but he like he said, he's not actually like financially short the position. He yeah, but it must be like like he gets well, and that's that's the destroyed. thing is pe- people are were saying in the chat like oh he he gets aggressive he starts foaming at the mouth and talking about Tesla when I think he's very composed talking about it considering the the backlash that he's gotten on his viewpoints on tesla over the past two three four years i mean the tesla community the the the, uh you know bowl community of tesla absolutely eviscerates gordon johnson time and time again and the fact that he's able to get back on camera props to him um you know (laughs) seriously yeah i mean the amount of abuse that he takes i could not handle half of that right exactly i mean i i I saw a a glimpse of it when all i said was that yeah elon musk has and it was funny because luke and raz were on the show with me and and luke asked for like he was like oh when when has elon musk done that and raz who's of course like a big elon bull was like yeah no aaron's right like elon musk has (laughs) definitely done that he's done some hey he's done some shady stuff we can all agree about that the funny secured was shady the solar city that was shady too okay he's done some shady things it doesn't matter as far as the stock is concerned for whatever reason that's just the way things go um and you know you can't fight the trend is i think is anyway uh yes he has been wrong he has been wrong the entire time um yeah and i mean it 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 will be if that if his hypothesis or prediction comes to fruition and we do see the blow up that he's calling for, he'll be able to say, oh, yeah, look, I was right. But the, then on the flip the, side, you'll say, yeah, but you, were, you were wrong for four years More and, that. you know, whatever. So yep. I don't know. I mean, at, at that point, um, even if it does come to fruition, you could argue, yeah, you were, look, you know. What, why do people call stock market tops? People call tops in the market every single day. Oh, we're in a bubble, bubble this, we're in a top that. And they do it for years on end and they're usually wrong and every 10 15 years they're right because the market has a correction well that's what Um, that's what i hate about the uh like gold bug inflation nuts is they're always saying like oh inflation's so much worse than it's reported the cpi data is uh not legit like they're putting out fake numbers and then whenever there's an uptick in cpi data Oh, now finally those numbers are legit and, and they're reliable. I mean, no, I, I'm not kidding you. We had Peter Schiff on and I asked him about the CPI and he said, those numbers aren't real. Don't look at the CPI. And then a week later, the CPI came out and showed inflation and he was tweeting about it. Look at the CPI. And I was like, wait a second. You just said those numbers aren't legit. So just because I, I don't know. I mean, you, 
Yeah, there's that guy, uh, the guy who wrote Rich Dad Poor yeah, Dad. Yeah, Robert, Robert Ka- He's Kiyosaki. calling for a stock market crash every single day. Uh, you know, no, I, I mean, no we'll... part of that. I want no part of that. Hey, but let's do our uh, contractually obligated look at Avis Budget Group. How are we doing today? Three thirty-four. All right, we 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 bounced. Let me see. Let's get a chart up on the screen. We bounced a little bit off of three thirty-four. We have to look at the stock. It's 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 a it's a wall now. We have to look at the stock like every hour. Every half hour, because that's the way things go. Um, I want to do some. I want to do some digging into like the psychology of bubbles and like the makeup of them. I, I honestly uh, so, don't. It's think, so interesting. I know. I think it's really interesting. I've like dabbled in it before, but I haven't done like deep research. I honestly don't think we're in a like stock market bubble right now. Um, well, we're in a bubble supported by the Fed. We're in a money printing bubble. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I just wish we fine. got. I just wish we got more direct stimulus checks. It's That's fine. All I'm We're for. in a money printing bubble. Because it, it's not our problem. It won't be our problem. It'll be our kids' problems, probably. So. Yeah, but the, I don't even think you can say that definitively. I mean, there's a lot of uh, experts out there that go on, uh, you know, modern monetary theory that say like, "Hey, look, we won't get this huge inflation or debasement of currency that well, a lot of people say for." But it's all a theory. So it's true. Who knows it's what's going to happen? I thought MMT was proved right proven right and then we got this, this inflation and now i'm not so sure so well that was my biggest problem when everyone was talking about the rising inflation which we talked about this earlier with the rental cars is when you dug into the inflation it wasn't like widespread every single good is up two and a half percent it was like certain sectors were driving the inflation higher now you are seeing you know whether it, it's uh you know items at the grocery store, whatever it is that are getting more expensive. So there certainly is inflation, but the idea that like, Oh, gas prices are super high right now because of inflation. Lumber prices were super high about everyone that was talking about lumber prices and inflation have been dead quiet as lumber prices have completely plummeted. If you pull up a chart of lumber prices right now, you're going to tell me that that's because of inflation and everyone and and their mama was talking about, Oh, lumber prices and their mom was talking about lumber prices are going up because of inflation, inflation this, inflation that. And then what happens? The supply chain issues kind of fix themselves yeah. in the lumber. Yeah, that's not an actual... No, but but you can just look at... Boom. That guy right there. Yeah, here, I'll, I'll find a better one. All right. Uh, my, my mom was not talking about lumber inflation. I don't know what your mom was talking about. But... No, neither was mine. I, no, I, I retract that statement. Retract statement. It's fine. Okay. Anyway. Uh, hey, it's 127. We haven't... Um, begged for likes in, in a while so if you want to be so kind we hit can that like button we appreciate that uh shelly is still long tulips yo shelly if you hold long enough we saw this with avis budget today if you held for 23 years you got your money back so i'm i'm just saying i'm just saying tulips that's a good uh bubble reference we can look in we can look into the psychology of the tulip what about uh beanie babies again if you hold long enough, we, we have seen in this market, you can make your money back. That's not investment advice. That's just observational advice. All right, wait. My thing's being buggy. The thing's being buggy. All right. Anyway, uh, hey, you- it's 127. We're going to have Tim Quast. I can't wait to get Tim's thoughts on, on Avis today. Uh, we'll have him on in, in, in a couple of minutes here. Um, in the meantime, I want to make sure there was nothing else. Oh, wait. There was something else I wanted to hit on. If you didn't see this earlier today, I'm going to bring it up in, in the Benzinga Pro. Give me one second here while I fix my layouts because my layouts are all kinds of me- all kinds of messed up. Look but how I- beautiful those fall colors are behind us. Oh my god, aren't they amazing? We get about two weeks of this until it's gonna be 
snowy. Uh, oh, dude, I got an alert today about snow. I was like, geez, mother. Anyway, um, okay, OLB is what I'm trying to bring up here. Let's bring up the chart. I oh. was really dumb. So uh, two nights ago, yeah, the Vikings were playing the Cowboys on uh, Sunday night football. Okay. And they, they like start the broadcast and there's snow falling. I'm like, holy shit, it's snowing in Minnesota right now. They're inside in a dome and just put some like fake snow oh, out there. That's fine. That was- okay. If you missed this this morning, we talk about Benzinga Pro all the time. It's a real time news platform. It pays for itself. And today is an example of where that happened. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to go to a news feed here. And I, I have this filtered by all of our exclusive headlines. Um, and you can see here. I'm actually going to get rid of that filter. And I'm just do, I'm going to do a, a keyword search because it's easier or a ticker search because it's easier to look back. But in real time, you would have seen this. It would have been obvious. Uh, OLB, we had a headline this morning, 9.15 a.m. Eastern time. They announced their support for uh, MasterCard cryptocurrency processing, 9.15 and 4 seconds a.m. Eastern time. Let's go to the chart and you can see exactly when that news broke. Let's go to a one-minute chart exactly when that news broke because the chart blasted off the stock did right there uh immediate blast off to to over eight dollars we we got to we got to how hard we got to we got to twelve dollars today we got to 1280 today in olb the headline was exclusive to benzinga pro our subscribers got it first it was squawked out if you didn't read it you could have heard it and you had this opportunity this morning to get into olb um, in the pre-market session, sell, you know, get in at eight or get, no, not even eight, get in at five, six, seven, sell it at eight, nine, 10, 11. Um, it paid for itself today. Um, Benzinger Pro did in OLB. So I wanted to put that out there. Uh, these are the kind of headlines and, and movers that we have on the platform and you can get it yourself. Just go to pro.benzinger.com, get a free two week trial if you don't believe me. Here you go. I did send you uh, the actual futures chart of lumber. I don't know if we want to go back to that topic real quick, but essentially yeah. my my point was just that people were attributing the rise in lumber prices to inflation when there are a lot of things that can tr- can contribute to rising prices. Um, when Tim joins us, he will be talking about supply and demand. That primarily is what causes rises and dips in prices so to say oh gas prices are x high because of inflation can be part of it but i would not say it is is completely true but yeah i mean funny how how often we were talking about lumber prices a few months ago and today no more lumber no one's talking about lumber so i don't know what's going on with the supply and demand of lumber um but the price is certainly it's true uh, okay, hey, and reminder, I'll put I'll put the link up on the screen. Pro.benzinga.com. Um, where is my link? I don't even have it. I'm gonna have to do this. Pro.benzinga.com. There it is. Check it out. Free two week trial. No credit card. We we will not hassle you, but I can't promise that we won't like sick Aaron Bree on you. To, what for a free trial? For it, it to to up to up your trial to your subscription i don't know what i'm trying to say well speaking of free trials um if you're interested in market sentiment and supply and demand of certain stocks i am we do have uh tim quast who is joining us from market structure edge which is a great place to get those insights as an investor as a trader and if you haven't already you can sign up for market structure edge 
with a free trial. Um, I believe maybe you put Benzinga in there or something, but I'm sure Tim can <laughs> or something. Yes. Some, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Tim will let me know because he knows more about this than I do. But let's go ahead and bring Tim Quast on the show. There he is. Tim Quast. Good afternoon, sir. <gasps> uh oh. The old mute trick. I can't hear Tim. Producer, fix this. Producer Rohan. Uh, it looks like he's not muted, but maybe his microphone isn't connected. Um, or Tim, check in the settings of camera and mic and make sure your uh, correct microphone is selected. All right. Well, so you see the cam and mic little gear bar down on the bottom of your screen. Click in there and make sure the right mic is, is connected. Otherwise, you can try just closing your browser and coming back in. Let me give it one more try. Oh, hey, there we, we go. go. Hey, hey. What's up, Tim? Good. How are we doing? That was very good tech support, AB. Uh, I followed that perfectly. So thank you. I, maybe I should change my job title. AT, I'm coming for you. <laughs> Tim, Tim, we got to start with Avis here. We got to start with Carr. Okay. Can you look up for us, please, the market structure sentiment in ticker CAR and tell us what you think happened? Well, we know what happened. Why you think what happened happened today in Avis Budget Group? And don't say there are more buyers and sellers. We never use that phrase because it's not true. It's not really <laughs> how the market works. <laughs> true. So, so uh, let's see here. You should see my screen, right? Yep. I think so. And uh, thank you for that nice plug at the beginning, guys. That was very, very kind of you. Uh, so let's see here what's going on. And for those of you who are new to market structure, holy cow, look at that. Uh, <laughs> I've never heard Tim say holy cow before. That was fun. Uh, <laughs> First time for everything. Yeah. <laughs> Usually I'm, I'm spouting something like a, you know, a Mark Twain uh, quote, like, you know, hang on to your uh, illusions because yeah. once they're gone, you may still exist, uh, which is a great Mark, Mark Twain line. Uh, so I don't know what happened in car today, so you'll have to fill me in. I can tell you what, what uh, supply and demand indicate. So Yes, please. Well, so car has been a 10 for 27 of the last 30 days, which, uh, which is extraordinary it's very unusual so what i'm looking at here so see how we're this is banging the ceiling uh from a sentiment standpoint it means there's uh, there is massive excess demand and so then you look at the supply side which is short volume this is the supply chain of the market again i was saying for you folks who don't know market structure there are rules that govern how stocks trade and why there are 100 shares of them available all the time and that's kind of what we're measuring here. And so what happened today? You guys will have to fill me in and then we'll, we'll look at the data here. What happened is last night they reported earnings yep. and today the stock decided to go from 270 to 540. Just because. So, so the, 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 here's, the, here's the reason. You can, you can absolutely see the reason why. And number one is that 27 days at 10. And then number two is look at the, even though short volume is very high, the supply chain has been surging to uh, meet the demand for, uh, for car. It's a meme stock. And this is how the, the, the market works. Market makers may create stock. It doesn't ha matter how much of it may or may not be available to borrow. The question is, will 
Citadel and Jane Street and Hudson River Trading and Quant Lab and so on create enough of it to meet the demand. And look at this steep drop. So if you have demand that is still just chroming into the ceiling and then supply drops, what is likely to happen to price? Well, it's likely to rise and it will rise to whatever level that market makers are willing to continue to create shares to satisfy. And to put this in perspective, I, the reason I said, holy cow, is I don't think I've ever seen a stock spend 27 straight days at 10. I, you know, I've, this is, uh, so, you know, one of my favorites, which, which I currently own, Zscaler, Look at that. That's a dozen days. And I, I will go purposely seek these out. I want to find falling demand and or falling supply and demand that is right at the ceiling. Well, this is this is 12 days and it's very unusual. I'll so, so, yes, Tim, if you were watching car on market structure edge and you saw yeah. that it was it was staying here at 10 for for day in and day out into earnings, is that a sign to you that this could, this stock could blow up after earnings or does earnings kind of um, not really play into it as much? Well, sure, it does. Sure. Uh, and uh, it, it goes to some of the reasons why these conditions exist. If I looked at this right before results, so I'm not crazy about buying a stock that's spent a lot of time at 10 because maybe the gains are baked in. But if you see a steep drop in a short volume, well, that's a, it, that's a strong indication the stock could rise. It tells us that there are long bets. If short volume was uh, 71%, that means that seven over seven out of every 10 trades in car was it involved borrowed or created stock. It's very much like the Federal Reserve creating dollars to buy U.S. treasuries to increase the supply of currency in the market so we all go out and spend it and chase goods with it and the price of goods goes up. That's And the price of, price of real estate goes up. Why would they do that? Because your balance sheet then is stronger and you feel more confident as a consumer. There's a purpose and a reason. Well, it's the very same thing. That's what's happened here. So there, there's, a, there's excess liquidity chasing those goods. Then the demand doesn't con, uh, diminish and the supply does. Well, there's going to be a period where the stock could surge. Can you absolutely predict that? Well, you could look at the, the classic meme stocks back at the early part of the year in the very same conditions. But Spencer, I had not seen GameStop or AMC or uh, context logic yeah. wish or any of those spend 27 days at 10. It is something we track. We track how much time stocks spend at 10 because they, that's where those are the, that's momentum stuff. So the surge is, is dramatic and it's, and it's illustrative of how maybe useless the, 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 the halts, the trading halts are. We've talked about those before. I mean, if the stock isn't supposed to trade outside a normal range, how is it possible for the stock to more than double in a day? Well, it goes right up to it, waits for the bands to adjust, goes up again, waits for the bands to adjust. And who's doing that? Those people who are very well informed about market structure, the market makers. But that's extraordinary. Very extraordinary. Yeah, uh, more than one extraordinary thing happening uh, here in, in in Avis budget and and you know, if if you're looking at the options chain and you saw the highest strike was 260, and you saw the stock at 540, you thought, what is going on? But 
that's the way uh i think yeah um i i i guess uh brendo is bringing up a good point i mean um it, you know what what how i guess if you've never seen a stock hog 10 like that i guess shouldn't you have seen it though shouldn't we have seen this uh well you would have to be screening for it right, right. i i yeah i guess you weren't right yeah right so so and and could you see this well yeah you could see the setup uh let me zoom this in because i think this is a beautiful example of an extreme departure between demand on the top so if demand goes screaming into the stratosphere and down below short volume was massive it was actually 85 percent of all stock at september options expirations and then it collapses all the way down to 50 that's that's a reduction of 50 percent well there is and why why does that matter because options expired right there spencer so that told us right there that everybody shifted long well that's going to propagate through all the limit order pipelines that the high-speed traders uh buy so could that be seen yeah and it's we're working on that stuff we're, we're when we get that figured out where we can peg those things occurring in fact i was just just talking with our ma- our our data scientists last night about this that we could look for standard deviation surges between demand and supply and isolate these and so that's what we'll try to do but you can see it there that's one of the ex- most extraordinary the opposite moves in demand and supply that i've ever seen yeah pretty wild stuff it is. um I want to actually no. This is this down here. For, this is a good question um, for Tim. Actually, from Solar, I'll, I'll bring it up on the screen. How significant of a role, Tim, do you believe retail traders have in the dramatic movement of meme stock? In other words, is it really market makers yeah. using retailers as a smokescreen for their activities? Uh, the short answer is yes. How significant is it? Well, we measure that data. We measure the percentage of trading volume coming from uh, the, the consumers of retail order flow. So there are retail traders using an online brokerage firm uh, who will, in most cases, there's a Wall Street Journal article, article out uh, yesterday. In fact, it's on a, page A1 of the print version. Um, and uh, those folks will buy retail order flow. And we can see changes in that uh, consumption pattern. And here's how we think about this. This isn't data that we, we know we focus on externally, but we certainly observe it internally. So if I look at, uh, if I look at Zscaler here, for instance, here's the, here's the constituency that buys retail order flow. Um, okay. And uh, what, and notice is 52% of trading volume. So if we see a surge of 10 to 15% in that, that's a great indication. Here's the truth about retail order flow. So re- less than 2% of retail order flow actually makes it to the market. Some of mine does because I know what I'm doing. Uh, no market structure. You're I'm, using not, marketable, I'm not condescending. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You can get some of your trades yeah. to the NYSE, but I, I'm telling you, not 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 two percent of my trades make it there most almost all of it uh i did four or five trades today they were all internalized that i can i can see that happen so the what will happen is that for every one retail trade there will be roughly 10 
high frequency trades. So it is a multiplier effect. So if there's a surge across the 100 million online brokerage accounts in the United States by 5%, it can absolutely explode what happens in the stock. But it's, it is a multiplier effect. If I put in an order for 200 shares, uh, that trade is going to be split into four, five, six, seven pieces. There's your multiplier. And high-frequency traders only care about one thing. They're not going, oh, is that price the right price for a stock? They don't care about that at all. At all. They say, can I make a tenth of a penny or a half of a penny? That's all they care about. And they're going to weigh, they're going to see all of the order flow coming from all these different parts of the market. And they'll say, based on that supply demand equation, I'm taking a half penny all the way up till I take a tenth of a penny. Now I'm not taking any. And the whole thing tips back over and goes down the other way. But that's what you see happening. You're seeing the multiplier effect that high frequency traders uh, can, can create out of buying retail order flow and turning around and selling it in pieces at higher prices. Did, didn't I just see a headline? Hold on. I think I did it like two days ago. Yep. Uh, I, I'm going to find it for you right now. Alex Sipovich and Gunjan Banerjee at the Wall Street Journal. Know them both. I, I don't want yeah. to butcher this. Um, <laughs> and it was HFTs. This is according to a study at yep. IBSIS <laughs> World. Um H, high frequency trading industry revenue has fallen from 22.6 billion in 2011 to six billion dollars this year. Yep. Yeah, it's much How do you more square? competitive. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but we just talked about. Wait, wait. But it doesn't. We, yeah. It, uh, we just talked about how the retail is contributing to this the, the, this environment. Theoretically, shouldn't they be making more money? They make smaller pieces. So what happened, Spencer, is that is, is back in 2011, and and we first saw this as a firm on the you know not market structure edge is new. Uh, it's the the technology behind it is not. Uh, but back in 2006, so this is right after the implementation of reg, regulation national market system. That's what created the market maker model for the whole market, which means every single dollar is intermediated. So back then. We saw, we were running data for Intel, traded a billion shares a month. And Goldman Sachs was about 56 million shares of that monthly volume. And then there was this firm called Octeg, O-C-T-E-G, that was driving 330 million shares of in, over a third of wow. all of Intel's volume. And we said, who the hell is Octeg? And we started rooting around through regulatory filings and we found oh, a sweet number in Chicago that was, and this is, a, it's a great story because it's a good lesson for you traders. So they, we found this, this global electronic trading company in a suite in Chicago that was the same as the one for Octave, no phone number. You couldn't even call them. And so then we got it that, that global electronic trading company was Getco and Octeg is Getco spelled backward. And it was eye-opening for us because brokers always want to know. They want people to know where they are. They're advertising volume. They want you to come do business with them. And here was this firm that didn't want anyone to know who they were or what they were doing. And we called them coupon cashers, as we learned. They learned that they could go earn rebates, a trading credit at the exchange, simply by furnishing shares for sale. It was the beginning of the process. Now, how does that relate to the $22 billion of revenue in 2011 and six now? 
Well, they were so far ahead of everybody that they were making money hand over fist. They, they, they were just crushing it everywhere. Well, then JP Morgan and Morgan Stanley and Citi and Merrill Lynch and Credit Suisse and all those firms got a lot better. They changed their technology. They become, became much more sophisticated and they stopped getting game to the degree that they were back then. So it's a highly, highly competitive business. Now interactive yeah. brokers might internalize my trade rather than sending it out. That means it doesn't get intermediated to the same degree. I try to do that as much as possible. I know they're going to take the other side of my trade and nobody's going to sit in the middle. Well, that has reduced the returns, but the best, the most profitable business on the planet for high frequency traders is buy and retail order flow. Fair. Yeah. I guess competition yep. is, is the, the summarize that entire thing in one, one word is competition and two words. Competition. Increase competition. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. Okay, Tim. What exactly. are there any other are there other stocks, other sectors? You brought up Zscaler. Are other stocks on your on your radar here that you're watching for this week or next? Yeah, yeah. There, there absolutely are. And I want to look at one thing here related to um, related to Avis too, because I just want to finish. I'm going to put a little little uh, bow on that if we can. Uh, I think I might have them in this transports group, and I'm going to make sure. It should be at the very, yeah, so there they are. There so they are. I just want to go over here and find out who's the lead behavior. At the moment, interestingly, it's passive money. That would be quant funds. So so quant funds that are very good at, you know, so it'll be Millennium's quant arm. They've got a big quant operation. Uh, those are hedge funds. They're, they're the ones who are going to know those, the, the, the data, how the data is playing out, and they played that just right. But I was curious. But And then notice this. Here's those. Here's the high frequency traders, fast traders, fast traders, fast traders for Norfolk Southern CSX and the UPS. I'm just pointing out there's that behavior. That's the behavior that's going to know where the flows are going. Okay. Um, no, no. The, said, the, yeah. the 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 quant funds being your leading uh, behavior I, yeah. I, 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 as you categorize it. And and how far back are we talking here? Just a week. Just it's going to be week? week over week rolling patterns, so it's going to show us those changing patterns. It's just it, it tells us that that so, okay. has increased. Okay, so oh, what yep. you're really saying is over the last week, as far as who is trading Avis Budget Group, it's mostly not entirely, but mostly computers trading with other computers for exactly. the last week. Not today, clearly, right. not right. today, but not today. in a normal market last Friday, for example. Or even yesterday, for example, it's right. it's computers trading with other computers, and, and that's what makes up the majority of the tr of the flow yep. in Avis. Got it. Okay. Yep. So, what else is on your radar here? Okay, so there, so uh, th there are two things that we're thinking about right now. And by the way, guys, listening to this, you can know all this if you're you're using Edge. Uh, you will be able to see the supply demand changes in the marketplace. So there's number one at the top of the dashboard here. This is kind of the command central. Uh, you can look across 12 portfolios, the 11 sectors and the fangs, and you'll see where all the money's going. You're going to know what is money coming into or out of communication services. Well, it's, it's, it's peaked. It's already peaked in communication services. Uh, and if it's peaked, that it's giving you a chance. As good as things seem to be right now, and it's been an awesome stretch, 
we are coming into a peak. Uh, so look at this. This is broad market sentiment. It actually has peaked already. The market tends to be behind that. Uh, and so it's not always the case, but it generally is. Uh, and at new months, at the beginning of new months, new money comes in. People will put money to work in their 401ks, the retirement plans. They've got these uh, program contributions. I do it. You know, I've got uh, managed accounts and that stuff continues no matter what I'm trading. And so that tends to give stocks a lift for a couple of days. We know that. So then we're going to go. I'm going to trade the stuff that is as hot as possible during this time, like Zscaler. Uh, I mean, that's great stock. Those kind of things. Uh, clearly, Car Avis is would have you know there's a what a wonderful trade the stuff that's uh, that's got immense sentiment like that that's what you want to trade but you also now have to beware I told folks uh, in yesterday on uh, on uh, pre market prep uh, you'll remember Spencer I said Tesla Tesla's been a fabulous stock to trade and the buy sell balance will tell you that. There's, you know, there's no question. You can look at Tesla and know, look at how great it's been. It has been a fabulous stock spending time above five and a lot of days at 10. But look what Shortbuying did. It's the exact opposite of Avis. It moved above trend and it's a meaningful trend. And that's probably the end of the run. So take your money and go do something else. So that's what we're looking at, Spencer. We're looking at the last of the opportunities in these things that are pegging 10, like Tesla, we could grab Lapa. There are all kinds of great stocks that, that, have, that spend time at 10. I try to share those with folks at Edge through our daily market desk notes. Uh, but I'm watching broad market sentiment and it's telling me that no matter how much people talk about the great things that are going on in the economy in terms of how well the consumer's doing and how much money is chasing limited goods, uh, it is a time for us to think about removing money from the market. That's my next step. And there's a there's a, a Fed meeting occurring right now. Mm -hmm. We kind of know what's going to occur tomorrow. There's it's today and tomorrow. But if if for some reason, if there's going to be a point where the, the market, because it's peaked, it's the Ferris wheel at the top of the turn and beginning to come down, maybe the prudent should foresee evil and hide themselves and begin to think about getting out of stuff like that. If you made a ton of money in car, take the money. That's a great return. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And, and I, I would say Tim, Tim is, he, he does this every so often where he'll, he'll turn bearish, but it's, it, it's not, these are not long-term calls. Exactly. He, you know, uh, he there, if anything, they're like a couple weeks, couple weeks or maybe even a month. And then, you know, and then when the, sentiment turns he turns with it but but these are not these are not long-term calls he's not calling a a long-term top maybe he's calling a temporary top if anything but 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 uh yeah. exactly um we're talking three so. four five i like to trade things in three four five six day increments uh yep. and if you take your gains and then the market gets turbulent and then you come back and repeat that process that's how you beat the market uh, you know, losing 5% is no fun. So if you can, yep. see, if the data are telling you that's beginning to come, well, take, take your money, take it, take, go on, take the money and run as that great philosopher, Steve Miller would say. I mean, every time I've ever been down, I just delete, I, I just delete, delete the app on my phone and then it, you know, I don't have to deal with that problem anymore. Um, <laughs> Tim Quast is the founder and CEO of Market Structure Edge, joins us uh, several times per week on our various shows on this show on Pre-Market Prep. And we appreciate that, Tim. A pleasure as always, yeah. sir. Uh, glad we could talk to Avis today. Today was a crazy day. So glad we could have you on. I'll uh, talk to you again next week. Um, AB. 
you're still here lurking in the background what up what up spencer how we doing good we got four minutes um until we got to wrap up here because we have the roadmap coming up live next our nft show and the you know what the the, the craziness with avis today does rival the craziness in NFT land, but there is a there's an Avis. Look, we're up there now. There's an Avis in in every day in NFT land. Uh, so let's see. Uh, I, I don't want to give any false information. Uh, who they have on the show They're today? Something spooky. I know that. Yeah, I, I saw the graphic and I was I was confused. Um, Sneaky Vampire Syndicate. Spooky. Told you that you you were on the right track. You're on the right track. Sneaky Van, uh, Vampire uh, Syndicate, uh, an artist that the, uh, they're, they're talking about Board at Yacht Club, which I, I do know about, or at least I've seen things about on, on Twitter. Uh, Hall of Fame Goat Lodge. If you don't know what any of these things mean, yeah, it's okay. That's, that's why you watch the show to learn, because this is a, a whole new world for me as well, which is why I'm not on that show, because I don't know anything. I rely on them to tell me. Yeah, I, I'm not uh, too knowledgeable on the NFT front, but it's fun to dabble in. So it, it, it's fun. It's if you fun. don't know anything about NFTs, stick around. Our yeah. guys over there on the roadmap will get you uh, caught up. Yeah, and, you'll, you'll learn something there. You will I guarantee and that. Last thing, how how's our snap trade doing from like an hour ago, an hour and change? Uh, we are exactly zero percent <gasps> up or down. Oh man, what are, no what are we gonna do? All right, yeah. real fast. Look, looking ahead, uh, we've got the roadmap. We got to add to close with myself and Joel at three thirty. Money Mitch at four. Cannabis Insider at four thirty. Tomorrow on the show is gonna be nuts. Tomorrow we got Funware, Randall Crowder on the show at twelve fifteen. We've got in, in, another interview at twelve thirty. We're we're doing a. a um, Explain this to me. We're, we're doing an AMA. We're doing an Ask Me Anything with car parts, apparently, at 1245. I didn't know that. We got JC Kaler on this show at 1 o'clock. We got a big show tomorrow. A lot going on. Four guests. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll we, see we, had four, there. we had four guests today as well. So I'm excited. I'm also excited for tomorrow. So if you'd be so kind to hit that like button, we'd appreciate that. And again, this is like a new show. We are just starting out. Uh, we're crawling here. We, we want to start walking, but but we're crawling. We're going to be making changes, but we are very, very, very open to suggestions and feedback. So please, if you have anything, I there was a few questions, suggestions in the chat earlier about what we could do as far as debates. They were good. If you have anything else and you want to let us know, just email us at this email that I'm putting up on the screen right now. Shows at Benzinga.com. Whatever you want to see, whoever you want to see. With that, we are going to sign off, and we will see you tomorrow. Don't miss your free chance to tune into Benzinga's very own bootcamp series on November 20th. If you're looking to dive into new concepts and grow your account, this one's for you. 